Hey guys, welcome to episode 36 of the Strength Ratio podcast. We're really excited about this episode because we have Maddie Rogers and Danny Carmargo on. I won't have too long of an introduction here because Zach really does a good one in the podcast itself, but I just want to let you guys know that there was a little audio static on Zach's end, uh, but it's nothing too bad, still great content. I just want to let you guys have a little warning there. Uh, and it tends to go away throughout the podcast. So enjoy. All right. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Strength Ratio podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Greenwald. And today we are joined by two guests. I don't think we've ever had two guests on at the same time. Our guests are Maddie Rogers and her coach, Danny Camargo. Uh, Danny, who's been on the podcast before, has earned level five senior international distinction in weightlifting. He was also uh, a celebrated junior lifter in his own right. We have uh, Maddie as well, who you may know as a silver medalist at world championships in 2017 and a multiple time US national champion. So guys, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day and Maddie before training sessions. We really appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you for having us, man. Perfect timing too, because we are going to train as soon as we're done. Yeah. So, and, and we won't go a, a second over. And um, really where I, the reason I wanted to get you both on is because Danny and our talking, and, and if you're tuning in now, Danny and I have, have worked together in his own rehabilitation setting. And I have attended as well as many of my athletes, Danny's seminar. So, uh, there, there's a, a, a common uh, ground there. There's a friendship there that we're working off of. And I asked Danny if you and Maddie had ever been on a podcast together. You, and you had responded no. And, and this is the first time. And in this storytelling, we're hoping that you guys get to learn a little bit more about Danny and Maddie as a team. And being a coach of national level lifters, uh, I can tell you that there are twists and turns and stumbles and falls. But if there is a really strong foundational relationship between athlete and coach, uh, a lot of amazing things can be accomplished. So because you guys have accomplished a lot, perhaps we start with what's most recent uh, in your journey, Maddie and Danny, both towards Tokyo in 2020, and that would be American Open Series 3. Uh, Maddie, would you mind talking a bit about the prep for that meet and if there were any obstacles leading up to it? And if so, how you overcame them? Um, I think originally we weren't even really going to compete there. We were going to go to AO2 as kind of like a fun platform time type meet. Um, And then I ended up getting, well, it didn't seem like a a real injury at first, um, right around AO2 time. Um, So we just kind of tried to keep pushing through, keep pushing through and still prepare for AO2. And then the week before, um, it just got so bad that I couldn't even hold an empty bar over my head. Um, So we decided to pull out from that one. And then that's when AO3 really became the main goal after however long it would take me to heal from the little injury that I had. And, And from what I understand, training had gotten better and better and better. And I believe perhaps in the week leading up to the meet, you had hit 85% of your best in training and in competition, you hit 90. Does that sound correct? Um, it was 
pretty close to that. I mean, I took a full three, four weeks off, no barbell at all. And then we had to kind of ease in and be 50% the first week, then maybe up to 60, 70%. And then the last like two weeks, we're just kind of seeing what my body would allow. So it definitely wasn't ideal training and strengthening and, and really getting confident in the heavier percentages because I just, I wasn't able to hit them at all. So I had almost maybe 88% in training and then come competition day, it was right around like 90 to 95%. Well, and had you ever had that type of hurdle uh, right before a meet or, or in a couple of, of months leading up to a meet? Um, I mean, I've had some really, really bad training leading up to meets. I don't think it's ever been an injury to where I couldn't physically lift. It's just been more of like a fatigue thing or sometimes even mentally just struggling and not hitting the lifts in training. Um, so this was the first time that I literally had to start from like ground zero and I just was not as strong as I could have been had I not been injured. And, and Danny, you had mentioned that prior to the show briefly that you were there not and acting within your, your scope your, your maddie's coach you know, maddie you had people helping you out in the physical therapy side of things but you, know, you were there more in your uh i guess friendship roles and, and, and mentoring roles to, to keep maddie going forward and finding ways to stick to the program as best as maddie's body would allow um does that sound about right? Yeah, that's exactly it. <clears throat> I um, I really didn't play um, a leading role in everything that Maddie just described. And it's funny when she described it. Hey, you know, at first it didn't really feel like a real injury. And as a as a coach, like a parent, they're all real to me, no matter yeah. what it is. You know, just because I worry. You know, and and she's the athlete. She knows what she feels, so she worries less than I do. But that's just, I guess, my role. So it was just funny that she said that a minute ago because it turned out to be, you know, significant. Um, but when she was not able to train and she had to take, she was forced time off. And then we had to be creative in what we did to stay active. Right. Cause I felt, I, I think the, the, the strongest say that I had was really the worst we can do is nothing at all. So during her inability to train, um, she was actively doing something whether it was metabolic conditioning, whether it was just stretching mobility, so I would still see her frequently, which I think, and especially for your, your listeners, it's, it's something to think about um, by just her physically coming in, doing what she can, avoiding the pain, trying to heal. You know, there, there's, an, there's a psychological aspect that I, I really appreciated her going through, which is still in game mode the best you can, uh, as opposed to sitting on a couch. You know what I mean? Uh, but once we were able to train and she started coming through... Um, she she hit it right on the nail when she said there's been other scenarios that mirrored our scenario our situation going into Vegas uh but they were other reasons uh not injury it was either just uh you know competition phase she was just beat up she was taxed under recovered whatever it may have been um and so we have actually been through a rough end to a cycle and enter the meet with minimal expectation but hoping for the best uh, so we are experienced in, in that regard. And not that I enjoy that, but we've we've certainly come out um, in, in better positions we thought going in. Uh, but many people don't know, and just answering your question, during her time of four or five weeks of um, weightlifting preparation, 
when she was cleared from her injury going into AO3, um, it really was just a whole lot that I sat back on and she was calling the shots on, she was leading, because it was all based on what she felt, what she's very aware of, and the limitations by the physical therapist. So it was, uh, I was there in spirit, man. <laughs> so, and, and Dana, you've mentioned, and I've, I've noticed and I have appreciated and have learned from hearing you guys speak about the other in the other's absence. So I think it's great to have you here both. Danny, I've heard you talk about how collaborative the programming process is, how collaborative even perhaps the technical process is at this point. And Maddie, I've heard you say how not a single decision is made or has been made in your training without Danny's voice or, or two cents or presence. Um, would you say, guys, that that uh, collaborative process happened pretty organically? Annie, was in your mind there a way that Maddie was there a way that Maddie had to be moving or numbers that she had to hit before she could be more in control? How would you guys describe the evolution of that uh, uh, collaboration? Yeah, I'll, uh, no, that's a great question. I'll, I'll let her also answer. My my answer is. Uh, I believe, and she's going to clarify here, she'll be honest. She's definitely ain't going to lie. <laughs> so we'll see here. So you're, this is kind of a trivia, actually. But I believe it, on her and her perspective, from her perspective, it was very organically. Uh, because I never argued or butted heads about that when it came to modifications to her programming. Um, and the reason why I think it might have been organic for her, but mine was actually scripted. It's scripted from my experience because I was once the elite athlete. I knew what it felt like. I know ahead of time that when an athlete gets to a certain level of experience, they must be more self-aware. And so when she started showing the signs of independence, I never took that defensively. And I urge coaches out there to do the same. Do not take it personal. It's it, That's your opportunity to continue to grow with that athlete. Uh, not your uh, not your opportunity to control. I'm pretty sure that if I tried to control and make it my way or the highway, um, I love you, Maddie, but she would have been gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but but, and that's not just a personality thing. That's just the circle um, of athletic life. And I saw the signs, and so there was not a total she had to hit. There's no specific accolade she had to acquire for me to say, all right, moving forward, you are now empowered to control mo most of your daily programming, um, it was simply when she started asking for it and telling me this is what I would like to do, consulting me. Um, and almost every time I say yes, there's a few times I have said no, and I've redirected her thought pattern. She hears it and she says, okay, that sounds good too. Let's do that. That's almost daily. Now I still spend hours programming her. I still put in a lot of thought into programming, knowing that everything I type, she's going to freaking change. <laughs> but, but it's like, it's almost like I, I get her revolutions going and then she just takes the wheel from there. Um, this comes down to specific as reps, sets, exercise selection in a given week. Um, but I think because I have backed up and not let it be something we conflict over, and um, still have my two cents. She's felt open to continue to talk to me. Um, and, uh, and I sit back and I just, I watched this advanced athlete make her decisions under my consultation. And that's where you said it. It's a kind of a team. 
So uh, for her, I, I think maybe from her perspective, it happened just on its own, although I kind of was prepared for it. Maddie, does that sound uh, like all the things you perceived on, on the other side of it, or, or was it a little bit different for you? I mean, obviously it's a little bit different from from my view. I feel like it definitely did just kind of happen. Like I wasn't really aware that it was happening as as the years went on. I think some of it was from like me just having so many just bad days, like a lot of elite athletes have, but nobody likes to talk about it. And I would just get so upset and frustrated and go home and just sit and think until the next day when I come in and I'd come in and be like, okay, well, this didn't work. This sucks. Everything sucks, but let's try this and this. And every time it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like if that's what's what you think and what's going to make you happy, then let's try it. And then there are some times where I was completely, totally wrong. And then there were some times where it worked out. So now it's just kind of, we go back and forth on a lot of things. Oh, and she's definitely has come in, Zach, and said, that sucked. This sucked. <laughs> she's not lying. I think she's quoting herself there. And Maddie, when you have had, and, and I, this relationship is, I imagine, improved, Danny, by your own personal experiences. Um, I, that's one thing that I don't have with my athletes is that when they are going through the trenches, I, I weight lift, I, I snatch and clean very but I don't do that on a national level. I'm not able to, uh, or I don't have the abilities to. And I'm not going through that every day, uh, you know, like fighting in the trenches. And, and I would imagine it has helped in that relationship because there are times when I'm communicating with my uh, higher performing national level athletes where I ask for them to communicate to each other, especially yes. the distance. Because I can only, I can be supportive and I can uh, empathize. I like, well, I guess I can sympathize, but I can't really be in the shoes of knowing because it's easy from the outside to be like, hey, you know, like this is all going to be okay. You're fine. Get over it. But with the repetition of weightlifting, Danny, how have you, how has your experience in the past helped you perhaps become a better coach? And, and Maddie, how would you say that you, as you've matured? in your weightlifting experience better dealt with say like these injuries or training that doesn't go well because of the repetition and because we only have so many times to step on a platform a year and, and showcase ourselves especially when it when it matters most well i am going to start by saying um it wasn't always easy <laughs> maddie rogers and she's sitting here next to me laughing because uh <clears throat> we are now at a point where we can reflect on some difficult moments between us uh, that were a couple of years, almost three years ago now, actually. Yeah. Entering the fall, um, entering the war. And I'm, I, you know what? I, I think at this point, I, I can say this. Um, it's no longer a touchy subject. We laugh about it now. Um, but going into the world 2015 in Houston, we, we, had a, we were having a rough time as coach and athlete. Um, it came down, I think, ultimately to communication. Um, I know what I was prepared to do as a coach. I know I was seeing signs of frustration, uh, but it's, uh, even if I had had the experience, which I'm blessed to have had, uh, to handle it from a coaching perspective, watching someone go through things that I did, um, that doesn't mean that it's going to work because it still takes the athlete to figure out how to say what she wants to say to coach, uh, what is important to say, what to let go. Um, and so we had to work that out. And so you know, we've always gotten along. We've always respected each other. Um, but uh, 
um, against popular belief. We've we've had a few arguments, like brother, sister, a few blowouts, not many. We have been really sassy to one another. We, You know what? <laughs> Actually, I think it's been bad once or twice to where we make Zach the entire gym uncomfortable. <sighs> and other athletes don't want to speak to us or me or her because they're like, okay, those two are not getting along. Um, but it didn't last long. Um, it was sef- sef- definitely and certainly powerful enough to make us realize um, it, it wasn't, we got to fix it. We did. Here we are three years later, almost to the month from what I just described. And listen, once in a blue moon, we're unhappy with one another, but it is so short lived um, that uh, sometimes we forget that a few hours ago or a day ago, one of us rubbed the other the wrong way. And it's always surrounding, um, never surrounding long-term planning. It's never even surrounding opinions uh, because to believe, believe it or not, Maddie and I don't always agree on you know, the community of weightlifting, our, our opinions on stuff. Um, we, we agree to disagree so well, but it's really surrounding her performance, her training, her movement, uh, and daily training. Anytime there's been, uh, some butting heads, if you will. So, um, I, I'd, I'd like to say my, my experience having gone through it makes it a little easier for me to understand that I shouldn't always take it personal. It's, uh, it's, it's the athlete in their career. So I'll, I don't know. I'll let her answer her part on that well I think a lot of the the not that there's a lot of butting heads but anytime it did happen I think it was a lot of of my fault because the first few international meets and the first time where it would get really hard I just didn't know how to handle it so every time I would have a bad day I was like oh this is the end of the world this training cycle is over I ruined everything like it, it, I couldn't take a bad day and just accept it for what it is and then move on to the next day. It was always like the world is ending because I couldn't make my 190% snatch or whatever. And I think that part of fixing that was just growing up because I did start when I was like an angsty teenager. Um, and then just kind of figuring out how to better handle not so great days and just figure out that they are going to happen and it's going to be more of just do what you can that day and get what you can out of your body and then just take the next day as it comes. And I think some of that I learned through coaching myself and, and seeing it in other athletes and being able to see it from the coach's side to like, they would miss a lift and they would act like the world is ending. Like, what is their deal? What is their <laughs> problem? Yes. And then I'm like, well, I've done the exact same thing multiple times and it just takes some kind of like, messing up and learning and growing to fix that yeah and basically we're talking athletic maturity you know um and uh and i just love how she put it yeah gosh the sass zach that i had to endure and there were some that i would tolerate really and there's some that i would not and i would just get so upset with her she'd know it um but you know i i think she just laid it out so wonderfully especially how she said that uh she's beginning to coach and has for a couple years you know, it's uh, she really enjoys helping others, especially youth and young. So I got to say, I love it. The few times they've given her sass, yeah. she's complained to me and I say, finally, the universe. Yeah, and I think it's really, um, it, let's just say you have someone come into your gym, a recreational athlete. Uh, I know, Danny, you had once had people coming in more for recreation purposes when there was 
CrossFit involved in the business. But, you know, someone would have a bad day at work or they'd have an argument with their spouse. They'd go to Snatch. And when Snatch doesn't go well, then their world's ending, right? Because their outlet isn't bringing them the satisfaction that they hoped for. But, Maddie, you, you're, that's not, <laughs> that's hardly your case, right? You, you have very specific goals to be the best in your sport. And uh, to, to see that through above all else, and, and that comes with sacrifice. So how have you in such a short time, and, and perhaps it has been, as you mentioned, just the coaching of the youth, um, learned to take on that responsibility of kind of like owning those goals, if that makes sense? Uh, was there ever a time where you wanted to be the best but weren't really fully bought on because of the gravity that that would mean for your training? Um, no, I don't think there was ever a time where I like didn't know exactly what it would take and what I needed to do. I've always kind of known like it's going to kind of suck and it's going to be a lot of work, but it's worth it. Um, and I think from the very beginning when I started, like I understood that it's going to take a lot of sacrifice and a lot of basically not having a normal life to be able to accomplish those goals. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I'm going to jump in there and say that I don't really ever remember Maddie. No, I don't think so. I've never actually sat with her and the, the millions of conversations, heart to hearts we've ever had before, after training, during training. And she ever say, or ever seem lost, uh, like, I don't know what I want or I'm conflicted. Uh, that's, that's really never happened. I believe since the day she walked in through my doors, whether her interest then was CrossFit or weightlifting or an international team or the Olympics now, I mean, she's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, it's always, it's been a pleasure from the beginning that she's pretty much known what she has wanted and has been very embraced, understood, never confused or delusional or unrealistic on what it's going to take. Wow. And I think that's the sign of someone who has really what it's what it takes to to get there uh knowing people who have uh, walked away with medals from the olympics myself um so danny you have uh from scratch created uh many other weightlifters maddie wasn't the first but one thing i want to like, kind of curtail this towards is that i do believe that maddie is your first athlete who i don't mean to like like uh, kids these days, but like we have this uh, very large social media presence. And Maddie, you've er earned and, and put in the work to build the audience and the brand that you've created, which just at least outwardly uh, facing is just seems to be who you are authentically. And would you guys say that the awareness of social media, or I should just say that its presence has, uh, while it's certainly advanced, both the brand and, and Maddie, your personal image, ever had its challenges with, say, like a uh, training focus or um, anything that would perhaps just be easier to accomplish if that wasn't there? Well, um, here's my answer. Maddie has taught me a ton, Zach. And I... And thank you for recognizing that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, Maddie is not my first Maddie Rogers, if you will. Um, I've uh, I've been blessed with some good talent through my years of coaching. Um, you know, I I always say there's only so much coaching that I can do. 
I mean, a lot of it falls on the athlete. It's their career. Um, and there's a lot of responsibility they must take for themselves. But uh, I've had some good talent come through. And as such, I've, I became an international coach before I met Maddie. I was already there when I met Maddie. But um, I continue to learn. Um, next year is my 20th year of coaching. Um, and I've been saying that outwardly. I'm very proud of that. And I'm still learning. Um, man, Maddie's taught me quite a bit. Um, one example, and this directly answers your question. There's a few other things too, but this one's the most relevant to your question. And it's what it means to have a pro athlete. Zach, man, I lived in the dark ages of weightlifting. Okay. I mean, you were lucky enough to get a hundred bucks for breaking an American record. And even then you had to be an American record holder to even get that. Um, yeah. And so the most popularity you might get is maybe five minutes on a local news once every four years, if that were to even, you know, have happened in the sport of weightlifting, right? So um, when I met Maddie, we started working together and I went to work with her the way I would have any other athlete, um, learning her the best way I could so that I can help coach her specifically. Um, she grew and she grew uh, much further than any of the previous talent that I've had. Uh, so I'm really proud of what we've done because Maddie, of the uh, athletes I have had over the years, has certainly attained the most. Um, and uh, it happened to come now in this era we're living in, social media. My last several international athletes was right before the real boom of social media. So um, I don't think that it affects her training. Um, we sometimes talk about it. Uh, there's some things that have not been pleasant on there, whether it was about her or others in general that she just didn't like. I will say, though, that Maddie will turn that thing off, get to training, doesn't like being disrupted. I have never seen anything on social media affect her during training or at a meet or preparing for a meet. It'll certainly piss her off when she's not training. And we'll talk about it uh, when she's in my office, of course. Um, but I, I didn't know the first thing of what it meant to have a pro athlete um, until having her. So uh, there's a few things that I did wrong. There's a few things that I had to learn and consider with regard to, and I'll just have this one example um, and uh, let her answer, um, not pressure per se, um, but uh, the distraction. Um, when we would get drop-ins as she gained more and more um, accolades in the sport, uh, we would be in public. We'd get stopped more frequently. Um, I, having come from the old age, felt that she should address everyone, which she does. She should accept everyone that comes to her path, as she does, especially drop-ins if they come in to maybe get a glimpse of her. Here I'm thinking, you know, look, you signed up for the job, and um, you are a role model, whether you like it or not, and uh, you need to um, be polite, which she is. And so more and more I realized that even though she treats her fans amazingly well and she's very humbled by the fact that the social media or just the world we're living in um you know attracts a lot of people there is times Zach where that must be placed on hold because she has to train there has to be time when she can't say yes to an event and a meet and greet because we have to train here I was at first thinking you have to say yes to it all, you know, not for the fame of it. I want to be clear there. It was really because I felt it was our duty to. Does that make sense? For sure. Yeah. I, I felt 
wow, this all these people love weightlifting that never did before. We it's our responsibility to share what we do, right? And that was my mentality as a coach. So I didn't understand until she made me understand, and I realized, wow, you know what? It shouldn't be twenty four seven. Um, and she will say hi to everyone. She'll take pictures. She will sign whatever. But you know what? When if people follow her, Zach, because she is uh, an advanced athlete, well when would she be able to be that athlete if not given the time to do the athletic stuff she must do? Um, and so I learned, I learned the hard way, you know, um, and I felt really bad that I was blinded by that. Um, and now I totally understand. Now I almost protect her more than I did before and understand um, there is a place in time for um, either the fanfare or for USA weightlifting or for, for friends or for whatever it is, and there's time for training and competition preparation. And uh, most people respect and understand that, but there are some who don't, as you can imagine. Well, I, I couldn't imagine, and just speaking from from firsthand experience, because we've often shared platforms with you all and warm-up rooms and things leading up to competition. And, and Maddie, you seem to handle that very well and stopping to meet those fans and, and being present for that. But then when you lift, you're there for that as well. I, I couldn't imagine letting my athletes come, as do all athletes, to those big events with their own preoccupations and anxieties. I couldn't imagine having that extra layer on top of it. Well, I mean, Danny said that, that I signed up for this, but I, I didn't. I signed up to be an athlete and a weightlifter. And when I started, there weren't really any strictly weightlifters that had a large following and a lot of people that were interested just because there wasn't as much interest in weightlifting and, and social media and weightlifting have both kind of grown at the same time. So now it's just, it's completely different than what it was when I was starting. Cause when I was starting, I didn't care. And there's, there's no like good way to really say it without sounding ungrateful because I mean, social media has given me so many opportunities um, both in and out of the sport and I, I just don't see it the way I think a lot of people think I would. I mean, I don't think of it as there's all these people watching me. Like, I feel like anybody else who's Instagramming pictures of their, like, dinner and their pets. Like, I don't I don't see it as I would think that people would think I would. And I, it's, it's really hard to explain because I think that, like, you see someone on social media that has a ton of followers and there's just, like, a different idea of that person. But they're still the same person as everyone else there's just a lot of eyes and that part I mean it doesn't bother me at all but there are times where uh, in competition where people will ask me and, and I'll stop for as long as I can and chat but I mean I'm there to do my job and my job is to be an athlete and to lift and to be able to perform and I think that some people maybe they don't understand or they think well we, there's people that want to talk to her. Why, why isn't she being grateful and just happy that people want to talk to her? But it's not that at all. It's, it's just, I'm there for my job to compete and I love talking with everybody, but there is a time for that and a time when I need to just be an athlete and be a normal person. And has that, is that an ongoing process of you being a normal person using social media and you arriving at these needs and doing your job? Do you feel like you've, found that healthy relationship or that it's just a constant no I think like, I think I was very overwhelmed at first and I really didn't know how to handle it um and I'm not 
I've never been one to be like, ooh, I'm gonna take this picture and it's gonna get so many likes. Like, I am so uncomfortable with like posting certain things on Instagram and my poor agent has to yell at me all the time and be like, hey, reminder, you need to post this or you need to do this. And I fight him all the time because I just, I don't, I don't want to put things out there that I don't want to. And that sounds like pretty selfish, but I mean, it's just, it's very organic and it is what it is. And I am what I am. And it's, I've never been like a social media seeking person. I'm kind of more uncomfortable about it. And now I just kind of, if I need to turn it off, sometimes I just don't pay attention to it at all. Cause I mean, I am an athlete, a full-time student and I coach. So I have a very normal, busy life outside of the sponsorships and all those obligations on social media as well. Yeah. It's like, I think she's, she's created a good balance. <clears throat> uh, she just said it herself. She didn't, at one point she didn't know how to balance it or, and, and uh, handle it, but I think she does now. I think you do now pretty yeah. good. Like, you know, especially day of competition, we have weighed in and we are walking to the big stage and we are getting prepared. I, again, it's, I've I too had to learn, um, not, I guess limitations, right? It's time to get to work. Um, we sometimes will have to hide, go around corners, do what we must. And it's not that she is ungrateful, man. I know that I've learned that. And I understand that it's just that it's, it's work time. She's even asked me a few times that if anyone were to ask me to uh, maybe speak to her, meet her or whatever, um, arrange it for after her performance. So it, the answer is still yes. It's just the proper time. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, she, I told you she would correct me, man. I told you she would correct me. A minute ago I said, you signed up for this. And she says, well, I didn't sign up for it. I signed up to be an athlete. And you know what? Though I meant that more figuratively, she's right. She, she did not become a weightlifter to become famous. She didn't become a weightlifter for social media. I mean, I can really remember the conversation. She made the switch from CrossFit to weightlifting. And she says, I just really love it. That's it. It's, she's doing what she loves. And, um, you know, and, and, and as it relates to her social media, I told you she's taught me a few things. That's another thing. Um, watching her get solicited so much because of that presence and her saying no and um how would i say picking and choosing what would fit her comfort zone has actually made me do the same you know i don't know listen i'm 41 years old man i actually shouldn't have, i should have no business on social media i actually I actually suck at it um but that's one thing that i've actually learned from from maddie is I'm over here thinking I'm supposed to post every day and I'm supposed to do this and supposed to do that. And, uh, and until I watch some of her experiences and I think to myself, you know, I don't have nearly the amount of followers. I don't want that many followers. Uh, but the principle of being solicited or pressured or asked to post about somebody else to benefit someone else, it's like getting used. And she once said it to me in private, and I think I can say it without her being upset on this one. She said, this is my social media. This is my voice. It is my personal thing. Um, I shouldn't be made um, or be pressured to post what I don't want to. I enjoy having that to be as natural as possible. And so, uh, and, she, and that's basically what she just said, man. It's, uh, it's been eye-opening for me. I'm just too old school. It, well, it, it, it's definitely perceived as, as such, Maddie, and, and I, I could not imagine uh, that responsibility and, and potential distractions, but I think the way that you described uh, your relationship with that is extremely uh, admirable. 
Um, one, one thing, Maddie, I, I wanted to ask, because I've been aware that you uh, have also kept up with your studies this whole time. Uh, I didn't actually know that you were still a full-time student. Would you mind sharing more about your goals as it pertains to athletics, but then also perhaps a professional career that you're trying to bolster as well? Well, I wasn't um, a full-time student this whole time. That's why it's taking me so long to finally finish school. Um, I've had to take some semesters off, only take one class here and there just because of international travel and, and competitions and things like that. But um, I just switched to the University of Central Florida, and that was when I kind of decided, like, if I want to get this done before the craziness of the year of 2020, that I need to commit a little bit more time. And it's not that I'm taking any time away from training. It's just being better at time management, stress management, sleeping enough, and, and just trying to handle things a little bit more strategically, as opposed to just trying to do it and getting stressed and just it's not fun when it's that way. So, um, I mean, I don't think um, some people agree with me going to school right now. Uh, I know I've heard a lot that well, you're an athlete right now. You're not going to be an athlete forever. You need to focus on that and and worry about school later. But I don't know how long I'm going to be an athlete. I don't know how long this career is going to last. It could last for 10 years. It could end tomorrow. So I want to be prepared Whenever that time does come, if I'm not able to continue to pursue a career in this sport as whether an athlete or a coach, I want to be able to have an option pretty much immediately as opposed to, oh, something happens. Now I have to wait four years while I go to school to figure something out and work part time somewhere. So it's more of, of a plan B, but I just feel so much better knowing that I'm prepared for anything that could happen. And I think that just speaks to your maturity because there are the realities that uh, you just don't know what could happen and how long it'll last. Uh, and to hear you say it could end tomorrow and just you, you never know, I think it, it speaks again to, to your maturity and um, just, I think, self-awareness, which is really incredible. And I think that, that would motivate a lot of other student athletes to hear that, that if they're struggling with it uh, and there are other people who are performing at high levels still making it work and even considering the time in which it would best work for their ultimate goals, I think that sets an incredible example. Uh, and, and because we've been talking about how we don't want distractions uh, from your training, we don't want this podcast to be a distraction from your training at all. So one thing I want to do with, with 10 minutes left, uh, and, and we can cut it short if needed, it is kind of ask you both the same, perhaps tweaked slightly, uh, uh, question. And, and I want to start, Danny, with you. And that is that if you were to, at this point, although I think a lot of us can agree that Maddie, your, your best has yet to come, um, if you would write Maddie's biography today, where would you start that journey and why? I would probably start... The first day she came into what was my CrossFit and weightlifting gym and did her first wad that she'd ever done and beat half the men in it. Yeah, I'm probably going to start with that. Um, I would have to start there. That's the beginning. I think uh, if from there, uh, almost like every day, every month, every year, just really got better. 
better, even through some turmoil and some some darker moments of our growing together. Um, yeah, I just uh, I, I just think it continues to get better, and I just I love what she was just saying about her post athletic career, her life after weightlifting. I certainly hadn't thought about that when I was a lifter, um, and and that's something she did on her own. I didn't have to give her my advice on that. She had always pretty much understood um, that weightlifting and or CrossFit was is ultimate in the long game. It's really just temporary. So uh, that's something we never really had to go through but um, and discuss, but I really didn't. And so I was behind in school when I retired as an athlete. And so I suspect that whatever she chooses, she chooses to do with herself way after weightlifting. I, we talk about staying together in some format, coach, coach, peer, you know, some, some, maybe she wants to own a gym one day. I don't know. Although when I say that, she laughs, shakes her head and says, absolutely not having seen what I've gone through. Uh, but whatever it is, I, I think we have, uh, we definitely have a long-term uh, relationship uh, in, in some capacity. But even if not, I think we've had a, a great run, but I would certainly start my story from that first day she came in uh what 16 15 16 17 and weighing wait a minute this is the funny one hold on what did you weigh 53 55 she was 53 kilos man what is that 118 120 i weighed like 120 pounds yeah one quadricep now weighs 120 it's still beating all the guys it's still beating but it was just so funny you were such a little Dweeb, actually when you came in you were kind of a dweeb i'm sorry when you came in yeah she was just so tiny compared uh, to her stature and her development now. So that's where I'd start. Well, and Maddie, where would you start in the telling of this if you were writing it out, your, your own personal story? And not just where would you start, but uh, how, how would you describe Danny's role in this? Uh, not as simply as you could, but I guess when someone asks, when you think of Danny, what do you think? How would that fit? Careful what you're asking, man. I'm not sure I want to hear this answer. Um, I'm joking. I mean, I would have to start a little bit before I first came to Danny into weightlifting because I think my prior sports and just childhood experiences really kind of shaped who I am. And I don't think that I would be the athlete that I am now having not done gymnastics or I did like track and field and some other sports where it was all just basically up to myself. I would be walking to practices, running to run more at track practice just so I could get there. Um, so I think kind of having it a little harder growing up would be where I would start because I just think that's really important. Uh, and I, I don't want to like say that I'm grateful for having a rougher childhood, but I think it's really important to what I am now. Um, and then how would I describe Danny? Was that the next question? Um, I guess it, it, let's say you are now walking into Danny's facility and you're setting up uh, the description of Danny and eventually what this relationship would become. What, what, are, what are your first thoughts around that? Well, that I changed all my mind. No, I, I mean, when I first walked in, I was very nervous just because I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. So he was teaching me like how to snatch and I, I would do one. I was like, oh, I hope that wasn't like completely terrible. It was pretty ugly. It was terrible. Uh, Were you aware that he had coached others to higher levels? Is that one reason that eventually you chose weightlifting over 
cross no. it because you knew that you had that success. With I mean, I really had no idea that weightlifting was even a sport. I actually saw Holly Mangold on like an MTV show or something. And that was my first like exposure to the sport of weightlifting. And I, it just kind of happened by chance. Like I didn't come into the gym one day saying, I want to be a weightlifter today. Um, I had just been brought in by another one of my coaches to try CrossFit. And then from there kind of found my way into it. Gotcha. And that your relationship with Danny has evolved from coach athlete to more uh, athlete peer, brother, sister. It's, it sounds like it's a little bit of all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely still coach and athlete because I think you you always have to maintain that relationship. But there's just a lot of other sides to it. And we're a lot closer now than obviously when we first met. Um, so it's a lot more, I guess, a, a deeper relationship. I don't know. Yeah, I, I and I would agree. I'm glad she said. I, we we are friends to some extent. You could say brother and sister only when we're sassy with one another. Um, I think, but ultimately, I would I'm gonna agree with her on that one. It's still really predominantly just coach and athlete. You know, I I respect her for who she is and her independence that she just described. She kind of always had. She was forced to be independent athletically. Uh, or in her, in her personal life. So I knew that really early on. And so that really made it easy when she grew in weightlifting for me to back up and let her call some of the shots of daily training and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and, and I, I know she respects me as a coach. Like she just said, you pointed out, and uh, she may have said it earlier, um, still, whenever she has an idea or, or wants to do something with this sport, she always calls me, always texts me, always lets me know. Hey, what do you think of this, Danny? And even if her mind is made up, she still asks me, man. So it's still a coach-athlete thing, for sure. I think it also speaks to how the coach-athlete relationship, you know, when, when done well and, and professionally, like any other relationship, has layers. You know, I, 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 there was an athlete of mine who we were recently trying to work through, a, not necessarily a rough patch, but trying to overcome some obstacles in training. But then next weekend he was at my wedding and it was friendly and then there was that and then there's kind of putting back the coach athlete hat on and and realizing that you can have hard times like all relationships do that you can grow stronger from them yet and i think just for people to hear that it's refreshing because as we discuss with social media we sometimes don't know the full story and the honest story of those are of those who are successful is usually having overcome some kind of obstacles somewhere along the oh, way. Oh, I'm going to her wedding. I just want you to know that. I'm putting that out there. Should she ever choose to and settle with someone and get married, I'm going to crash the hell out of that party. Yeah. I, I plan on that. Um, yeah, I think Maddie's background and the fact that she came from gymnastics also helps to always respect and see me as her coach, you know? Um, yeah. Which, uh, you know, I think she may have even posted about a few times. Uh, it's, you know, no matter what, she does see uh, me as her coach who's helping her, even though most of the things we're doing is for her and under her preference. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, we have this motto going recently, and it's just same, same goal, same team. And when we're a little bit lost along the way or, like, arguing over technical stuff or – stuff that we can't even remember why we're arguing it's just a single same team and then we just move yeah. on so it's, you guys are on that it takes two it certainly takes two it this i don't think this 
This relationship may have been one way, one sided, so to speak, only at the beginning because she didn't know. She just described to you. She would perform a snatch, drop it, look at me, has no clue what it's supposed to feel like. And so I played that vital one way role, you know, very early on as her developmental coach. I don't, I, that's just how it is, right? Uh, but now it's definitely more of a, of a mutual and it's a two way street. You, the two, the coach and athlete must be willing, open to see beyond um what's immediately in front of them um and and be committed and 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 loyal um and respectful and that's just i mean that goes for any two pair of coaching team oh for sure um and before maddie uh i let you go to training because uh definitely want to be respectful of your time um do you have any other thoughts uh, pertaining to that that relationship and, and, and the process in general as you two look forward like you're you're going to train the you guys are, are moving forward. Um, are, are you feeling hopeful for what's to come? Are there new things to consider uh, as you move forward that you didn't consider before? What's the overall tone as you go into training nowadays? I mean, we're obviously looking forward to what's next every time, but it's more of like a day by day, week by week, meet by meet type deal. Not quite a, okay, and in, in two years, we need to be here. It, we, you have to handle it literally day by day and and just kind of take it a step at a time and I think we both understand that and that's really important because if we viewed the goals differently I don't think we would get along as well so that's kind of where we're at now yeah like like trying not to get ahead of ourselves really we have mapped out we have general idea mapped out way in advance a year two years and then take it little by little and chip away day by day. In fact, when we conclude here, like I told you, we're going to go train. Yeah, I, I you kind of said it there. We're going to walk out and I'm going to actually look at her and go, so what are we doing today uh, based on my <laughs> cool. program? Because she has my program. We discuss it. She's going to start with it, but I'm following it today. <laughs> still, still, I'm waiting for the change. But it's always, you know, for the better, man. It's, I don't think I've ever really gotten upset. The only time I've ever gotten upset was a couple years ago when she would just fail, 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 fail. Maddie, stop. Fail, fail, fail. Maddie, please stop. Fail, fail, fail. Maddie, get out of the gym. <laughs> that hasn't happened in a very, very long time. She's much smarter. She's much wiser, as she described to you. She knows when to quit. And if she doesn't quit, I've actually known that she knows he's going to fix whatever the issue is at hand. Does that make sense, Zach? Yeah. For sure. Whereas in the past, it, it may not have had, there, there may not have been the experience to, to draw upon. Uh, Maddie and Danny, thank you guys both so much. Hopefully it was also fun for you two to, to share maybe some of these memories and, and, and hear one uh, another's responses, uh, but definitely will hold you a minute longer. Uh, thanks to you guys so much again. Thank you. Thank you.